Good morning, Patriots, and welcome to the Patriots Prayer Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Smith. Today, we're going to air part three of our interview with Nate Kane. Nate Kane is not only a congressional candidate from West Virginia, but he is also the FBI whistleblower who blew the lid off the Uranium One deal with Hillary Clinton. Now, where we left Nate last, he was explaining that he had touched a powdery substance on a desk in his house. He immediately went into AFib. So this after he was targeted by the FBI. So he's starting to put two and two together. His family has been targeted and much more. So um, it, it, it just uh, this is something, guys, you really have to clue into because uh, after the recent revelations that we've seen from FBI whistleblowers on Capitol Hill, uh, with uh, Kyle Serafin, O'Boyle, and others that have came out, this definitely raises the question as to what's really going on at the FBI. So, uh, you know, we've heard Dan Bongino and others constantly raise the uh, caution flag on this particular uh, issue. Now, we definitely know we have a system of checks and balances. At least that's the way it was set up. But we need some reconciling. And we're not going to get it under this administration. Now, beyond that, guys, we have a podcast coming up right after this, uh, coming up at the end of the week, where we're going to have both Nate Kane and David Baumblatt, both FBI whistleblowers, on the same podcast. So I'm going to get these guys together. They're going to meet. They have some great conversation. We went on for about three hours, so we're going to cut this up into uh, three parts as well. And uh, also, there is a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, a lot of exclusive content that I'm going to be posting on our local. So definitely check that out when you have a chance. And if you haven't thus far, folks, go ahead, get that like, follow, subscribe button, and click it. Because trust me, it's going to continue to get better. The Patriot's Prayer is a truly unfiltered podcast, one where we're not going to back down from any topic, any subject, or any interview, and we're going to continue to bring you the truth because that's what matters. That's exactly what matters is the truth. So let's get right into this interview with Nate Kane, guys. So I went to the hospital um, emergency room. Uh, they did a bunch of tests for you know heart attack. Uh, my heart rate was extremely high, um, but my EKG, you know, other than that, was normal. And um, um, and by then, you know, things were starting to slow down, anyways. And so they, but because you know they wanted to make sure there wasn't something else going on, I had every test done. I mean, I had a, a nuclear stress test, EKG, uh, echocardiogram. Uh, my doctor even sent me to go get a, um, what they call a calcium score where they take pictures of your heart in between beats. Yep. In fact, I came back, she said, well, um, nothing shows up on any of your charts, but, but you, uh, your arteries are, you know, are completely clean. You have zero plaque. So I was like, well, that's good news. So at first I didn't think it was a poisoning. I just thought the stress you know, of sure. all of this crap that I'm going under. That's where my mind would have went immediately. But um, but then something happened later, and this was a little bit more obvious. Um, the second poisoning happened. Uh, I had given an interview again. You know, I was asked if I was writing a book, and I admitted. Yeah. So they never did any blood tests at this point, or any no, 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 determined. No. So I, and these... I, so I'm. It's pure speculation. But when you hear the second one, you'll you'll understand why I think it was poison. Um, so the second time I went down to my car, which, you know, I parked in a parking garage in, in Washington, D.C. It's open. Anybody can walk in from the street. There's no cameras in there. 
But I walk down to my car and I reach under my door handle and there's an oily liquid substance under my door handle. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't think anything at the time other than just, oh, gross. And I wiped my hands on my pants. Sure. You know, it was a beautiful sunny day. There's no rain, you know, but you're in a parking structure. There's like pipes overhead, you know, I don't know if it's sewer or whatever. So I just thought disgusting. And Yeah, your mind doesn't hand. jump immediately to poison. No, right. no. Yeah. That didn't happen until six weeks later. So I get in my car, I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden I got a massive headache. And I reach back and like right on the back of my neck, it's like my vertebrae is like swelling up. And, you know, and and it's like my neck is getting all swollen and, and like a big old, you know, bump on it. And I thought, oh, man, my neck must be out or something. I'm going to go to the chiropractor. And by now I'm looking and the car in front of me splits into two. And so I'm starting to have double vision. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm not far from the chiropractor's office. I get in there. I'm like, Hey, I need an adjustment, man. My neck is out or something. Something's wrong. Chiropractor looks at me and goes, you need to go to emergency room. This isn't, there's nothing to do with your vertebrae, you know, but you, you do have like something going on. So he sends me down to the, uh, uh, you know, to the doctor's office. I, I call the doctor's office. They say, yeah, we can squeeze you in. So I go down there. I didn't go to emergency room. I didn't want to go wait for, you know, three and a half hours. Right. So I go to the doctor's office. They squeeze me in. The doctor starts doing the, you know, follow my finger test and one eyeball is following the other one's not by now. I'm starting to get, you know, droopiness on my right side of my face. I'm starting to get the, you know, the, uh, slow speech. Um, so he you thinks know. you're having a stroke or something. Yeah. I yeah. Know. I couldn't walk in a straight line. They immediately send me to the emergency room. And so they start doing, you know, MRI, MRA. Um, they did an EKG as well and nothing shows up. And I'm also having this issue where I can't swallow. Like if I'm standing up, no problem. But if I'm laying on my back, cause when they try to stick me in the, you know, the MRI, they put me in there and I'm like choking on my own spit. Hmm. And so um, and I was freaking out. And so they, they, they finally gave me, you know, I don't know, something to calm me down and whatever the hell it was, it was great because I didn't give a crap about anything after that. <laughs> so they stuck me in there and, um, and all the tests came back negative. And so they sent me home because there was nothing indicating a life, you know, um, you know, a situation that was going to you know end up taking my life. So I ended up, uh, scheduling an appointment with a neurologist, uh, a renowned neurologist, one of the best in Washington, DC. I had good insurance at that time. Um, the guy did every test, MRA, MRI with and without contrast, um, carotid artery ultrasound. Um, they did the EEG where they are looking at, you know, all of the electrical signals in the brain. Um, you know, he did, uh, I mean, just, you know, if there was a test they could do, he did it. And in the end, he's sitting there, you know, my last, you know, meeting with him. And by now, you know, it's been six weeks. I've gotten back. I no longer have the ataxia. Um, I've gotten back my speech, although I'm still having six weeks to get your speech back to normal. Yeah. I'm still having a little bit of like, you know, mental fog. But, you know, I got my speech back. I got, you know, my hand, you know, use and all that back. But I'm still having trouble walking. You know, like I can't walk in a straight line. So I'm sure. like falling over as I'm walking. So 
he says to me, he goes, you know, I've only, I've been doing this for 50 years and I've only seen one case like yours where the charts look perfect, but all the symptoms were there. And he goes, it just doesn't make any sense. He goes, what do you do for a living? And I'd already told him that. And I said, I'm in cybersecurity. And he goes, man, because that's what I thought. He says, it does not make sense. He says, the only other person I've ever seen have this kind of thing. He was a guy who worked for a chemical, an industrial chemical plant. And he touched some chemicals with his bare hands. He forgot to put his gloves on. Sure. And, you know, and he had all the same symptoms, everything. And all the charts came back clean. So at that point, I realized. Blood tests come oh. back clean as well. All these things are. Yeah. So I go, you know, what the hell? And I realized at that point, you know, I had, I had touched my door handle that day and had some substance on it, some oily substance. So I got online. I, um, I contacted, I, I made a phone call to Carlson Institute, which is a, they're a poison testing company um, that does a lot of work for the FBI actually. And they're based out of Colorado. So I call them up, talk to one of their techs out there. And I explained to him, you know, what I think it is. And I'm like, look, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but I think I might've gotten poisoned. Here's the, you know, symptoms. This is what I touched. This is what it looked like. This is what it felt like. Um, these are the symptoms that I had. These are what I'll send you my charts. I sent him my charts. He's looking at it and he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, this looks just like, you know, and sounds like one of these 14 substances. Right. And, and then, um, at that point I kind of opened up to him and shared with him, look, you know, I was the uranium one whistleblower. I blew the whistle on FBI's cover up of uranium one and Hillary Clinton, all that kind of stuff. And the guy goes, Holy crap. And he's like, <laughs> really? And he goes, I gotta go. <laughs> he goes, do you think this might be nation state? I said, it's quite possible. I was dealing with Russian intelligence agents, you know, and exposing that information to the Congress. And he goes, um, he goes, look, I could sell you, you know, we could do a hair follicle analysis. And he says, the likelihood is uh, it'll cost you like six grand. Um, you know, and I'll be able to tell you, uh, you know, that he says, but that test will come back. And he says, if this is nation state, the likelihood is it's probably going to come back as unknown substance. He says, but there's 14 substances I can tell you right now that match the description that you gave that would cause all the same symptoms that you have that, um, uh, that would look exactly like your charts. Okay. And, and he said, uh, and he sent me a list of them. And he goes, but the likelihood is, is this is nation state. It's not any one of those. And it's going to come back as unknown substance. He says, we have another test that we can do at a molecular level, but it's going to cost a lot more. Probably about, you know, 12 grand. And I'm just like, I can't afford it. I mean, I barely had a job at this point. Right. So I, I had to take a, you know, I took the 40,000 pay cut when I went to work, you know, for the VA. Well, I had to take another pay cut just to get this job because they, of course, so that's the other thing they did. They doxed me. They put it out there. They leaked the information of their raid to the New York Times, and the New York Times did a hit piece on me. So it was all over the international news that I had, you know, um, and what happened was we got a phone call from, um, it was about four or five days after the raid. I got a phone call, or I should say my lawyer got a phone call from a reporter at the Daily Caller. And I guess okay. they had, he had somebody that he knew in New York Times that, you know, leaked to him that they were going to run a hit piece on me. And, um, and so he went to my lawyer and said, Hey, 
uh, we got word that uh, your client, Dennis Nathan Kane, is going to have a hit piece written on him uh, by New York Times. Do you want to get your side out first if you give us an exclusive? We need to return to that. Just sidebar, the, the fairness doctrine must be reinstated. Obama yeah. made it a tremendous mistake getting rid of it. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm sure it wasn't a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Not I'm at sure all. I'm sure it was intentional. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so they, uh, so New York Times exposed me. Um, so I ended up having to out myself or my lawyer did and, you know, shared our side of the story. Um, of course, they asked uh, U.S. Attorney um, Her, uh, who was uh, in, in Baltimore at the time, and they asked him, hey, you know, why are you raiding, you know, an FBI whistle whistleblower's home? And he said, oh, you know, I cannot discuss anything about an ongoing investigation. As a oh, they love I, that line. What's that right. line about? Oh, so, my goodness. So they, so they said, okay, all right, you want to play that game? Fine. So they got with all their lawyers over at Daily Caller, and they came up with the perfect question. The one question that he could not use that excuse. And so they went and they foiled the magistrate, um, the Maryland uh, magistrate that signed off on the search warrant. And they foiled her and they asked one question. Was the judge made aware that I was a protected whistleblower under the intelligence community whistleblower protection act before okay. she signed off on my search warrant has nothing to do at all. Could not about possibly, the investigation. Yep. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the investigation. Perfect. Can't jeopardize the case. It's the perfect question. And an Obama appointed judge put a seal on that answer. Really? Yep. You using what precedent? The fact that they are working for the FBI. <laughs> the FBI probably has dirt on the judge. Who knows? You know, I, when I was talking to David uh, and and we were just discussing in general, uh, you know, I said, well, if Trump gets reelected, I mean, what would be the first thing that you want him to do? And I said, you know, everybody wants to talk about who in government they want him to uh go after or investigate whatever. I didn't say any of that. I said the press investigate the press. Yeah. I mean, God's if these are the guys creating the reality that we, that they want us all to exist in, they put the stories out in such a way to elicit emotion. They are literally hypnotizing people that watch that little square box. Yeah. If you don't fix that, that that's the head of the snake right there. That is the head of the snake. You have well, to fix that before what, you can restore they, sanity. So at this point, I mean, like, you know, I, I had had. By the way, the reason I think I survived those attacks. Um, I was taking a supplement at the time and uh, it was a uh, supplement called uh, Arginine Miracle. It's a vasodilator. Mm -hmm. And so it like opens up your blood vessels and all of that. Um. I had just taken it that, you know, that day I had just taken it that morning. You just got and, God on your side, my friend. I, I'm sure that saved my life, you know, both times. And um, so I had people follow me. I had spying that was going on. They listen. I can't get into how I know, but I know because sure. I, I've got friends and I know for a fact they had they were using. Uh, Section 702 FISA to spy on me for two years after I blew the whistle mm -hmm. for two years. And they were not just spying on me. They were spying on friends who 
were connected with me, which is how I know that they were using FISA. What well, so, I just don't understand is people that do that and these law enforcement agencies that push these kinds of agendas is what the hell the end game is. Because when you have real, you know, real patriots, guys that actually love their country, we only want to follow the law. We only want to see you follow the law. We only want peace and prosperity right. in our communities. I, I, I don't get what you actually gain out of tearing that down. I mean, there was one train of thought that went, well, if they allow the, the Marxist socialist side of the chaos uh, to, to ensue and it gets to a certain point, then they just get to come in and clean it up. And then See, in doing so, I assume all I power. suspect that what happens is um, I remember taking a course in college um, like psychology 101, and they talked mm -hmm. about these experiments that they did. They were trying to recreate how was it that the German Nazis were just so cold and could just murder mass murder people and you know gas showers and stuff like that so they did these experiments where they hooked up these kids to electric nodes but mm -hmm. there was no electricity there and they put a dial you know that said don't go past this mark you know or it can cause harm and they told the teachers to come in and ask the kids a series of questions and when the kids got it wrong to press the button to shock the kids and so they did this experiment and the kids were all acting. It was all play acting. They were supposed to, whenever they got the answer wrong and the, the teacher, you know, uh, pressed on the button, they were supposed to act like it hurt and then progressively right. act like it hurt even worse. Be screaming bloody murder by the time. And then the instructor kept telling the teacher to dial it up more and more and more and even go past the warning, you know, out of, out of, I think like, uh, I think it, out of all of those teachers, 80% of them obeyed and went past the danger mark because they were told to do so. So that's the problem with human nature is that when you have authority, systems of authority, the human nature oftentimes is like, well, I'm not responsible for that. I'm being told right. to do I'm following orders. I'm following orders. So I think that's what Famous happens. Famous line at the Nuremberg trials. Yep. I think that's what happens. And, and, and by the way, that experiment was outlawed after that because it caused... PTSD for both the, you know, for the teachers, you know, that, that they couldn't believe they, they would do that, you know? And um, yeah, so it, it's crazy. I, I think that's what happens in law enforcement. I think it's what happens in the military. Um, I think that's why we have to have very, very strong checks and balances. Yeah. Very, and, very um, strong checks and balances. And now it's gotten to a point where, I mean, once, once the, the population at large, you know, comes to any, to a conclusion that, Law enforcement is no longer there to help them or they're not going to help one of the two. Um, people start taking the law into their own hands. They do. They do. And it leads to vigilantism and it's not what we want in this country. It's not what we want in this country. No. And and it, but, if, but I believe this, if the aim was to make things better, peaceful, more prosperous, yeah, that's what would happen. If that's what your intent is, that's what would happen. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's it, not going to that me, way. The only solution to this whole problem that we're in right now uh, with, with this breakdown in, in law and order and the breakdown in, you know, we, we no longer have equal justice under the law. It's been weaponized, especially against conservatives. Yeah. Look at January 6th. It's a perfect kid, you know, perfect example. We had it happen but, again a few days ago, but the kid gloves were on that time. Yeah. 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 So you even had Yeah. If you're yelling free Palestine, no problem, you know, but you know, 
where are those people being uh, having charges added to, you know, uh, enhancement charges for, you know, disrupting an official proceeding? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, honestly, I don't think that anybody should get that, you know, even people who are there, you know, protesting against uh, Israel. But I do think that uh, we have to have a fair system. If we don't, it's going to lead to vigilanteism. And when I look at um, what is happening, you know, right now, what's happened to me is tragic, but God got me through it. And, uh, you know, and and I'll tell you, there was a lot of miracles that took place. A lot of things that sounds like it, you know, I believe kept me safe. I know that they spied on me. I know that uh, they, there was a drone that landed in my backyard. Um, Wow. We had a light uh, dusting of snow and there were three perfectly equally apart circles about, you know, about that big around on the ground, fresh in the snow with no footprints to it or away from it. And it was right back by the back window of my office. And so, you know, I know that, you know, they, they deployed drones on me. They had, you know, I had people following me, you know, I, I'd learned because of my work over the last, you know, 26 years to keep an eye out for things. And, you know, I have a habit of not taking the same path home and, you know, now I have a <laughs> habit of making sure that I have a camera in my car and things Sounds like, like that. that movie, that Will Smith movie en- enemy of the state. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you yeah. what, you know what? And I, I carry now everywhere. Have you noticed the ever-alarming 400,000 cell towers that have gone up in the United States alone? How about the electronics that reside in every room of our homes and Wi-Fi that runs 24-7? 5G cell phones are carried in our pockets hours on end. Common complaints are ringing in the ear, sleep deprivation, palpitations, headaches, memory loss, and so much more. Redemption Shield is on the cutting edge of offering products that protect your family from electromagnetic and microwave radiation. From Faraday bags, earthing bed sheets, Wi-Fi router covers, hats, scarves, bed sanctuaries, this will not be going away anytime soon. We will continue to see only faster speeds, 6G, 7G, and more exposure to EMF than any time in our history. Start protecting yourself now. Go to RedemptionShield.com and get grounded and shielded today. Use code PATRIOT and save 10%. You know, I don't, I don't mess around. So the thing is, is that, that the only thing that's going to solve this is transparency mm-hmm. and justice. But how do you, we actually there? have to see transparency. A tra- and this is the problem with what Ray did not do. He did not create transparency. You want people to trust the FBI. You got to make it transparent. Mm-hmm. And then when FBI agents commit crimes, and you know, commit deprivation of rights under color of law, which is what they did to me, what they've done to a lot of Americans, those FBI agents need to go to jail. The people yeah. pushing for those policies need to go to jail. Well, it was like Timothy Thiebault, right? He was uh, the one who kind of fell on his sword behind the, uh, the Trump investigation under the fake Russia collusion deal. And his, his punishment was he retired with a full pension. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of a retirement, uh, a punishment. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, if the, you know, and honestly, that could have happened to this agent that, you know, did the stuff to me. I'll bet you that's what happened to him. I'll bet you he retired with a full pension. He was probably forced into retirement. Well, how do we how do we get, you know, out of this mess? Right. So we were talking the difference between your your outlook and David's outlook and David's a little bit more on the pessimistic side of things. Well, I got to be honest with you, you know, my lawyer, my lawyer left the country. 
after my case, my case was his last case. And he said, I'm out of here. He sold his practice. He sold, you know, he basically moved to Puerto Rico, you know, so I'm out of here. So, I mean, he's not alone. Uh, it, what was, I forget which one of the FBI agents uh, sat before, um, was it Congress? And they asked him the question, what, what advice would you give yeah, to other people in the FBI that would blow the whistle? And he said, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do I it. I would say this. I won't say don't do it, but I would say count the cost. Mm -hmm. Do it knowing that you're going to get persecuted. Right. I would never tell somebody not to do What's the right. right thing. Yeah. But what I will say is don't expect that you know things are going to go easy. Yeah. You know, if you're angry at God, take it out on him. Say, "Hey God, why did you put me in this situation?" But do the right thing no matter what, because until people start doing the right thing, this stuff is only going to get worse. Yeah. And yeah. so you what do like I me right now? You sound exactly like me right now cuz I get it all the time. Like I told you when I put these stories out, uh, and some of the other things that I say in the, in the, in the, uh, in the podcast, people ask me quite often, man, aren't you afraid of putting saying that or putting that out? Don't you see what they're doing to this person, that person? I, I, I liken it back to our founding fathers being called treasonous and traitors. And I mean, these guys risked it all to create a country and they gave us a republic, right? If we could keep That's it. That's right. And it, it's going to take us being very intentional to get things back to. Well, they they gave us something else. They gave us a tool in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. We have the ability to formulate what's called a, a, a congressional tribunal. Mm -hmm. And the point and purpose of it is to adjudicate agency issues. This is an agency issue if it ever was. In so fact, how, how I, does that happen? How does that happen? So what is that? Explain so, this. So a, major, a simple majority of Congress would mm -hmm. need to agree uh, to create a congressional court, you know, basically we already have them, several of them. In fact, the U S tax court is an example of an article one tribunal, but what's different about an article one versus an article three, which is your normal, you know, courts is the appointments are not permanent. Mm -hmm. They're temporary. They're made by Congress, not by the president. And, um, and you can make the court so that it's subservient only to the Supreme Court. Mm. All courts have to be super, uh, super, uh, I like sub, that. Subordinate, subordinate to the Supreme Court. But you can basically skip out all of the other appeal stuff and you make it directly accountable to the Supreme huh. Court. And so, you can reduce you can reduce the salaries down to zero and essentially shut down the court if it gets out of hand. So you have so, just recently only eight people, eight people in Congress that stood up and held McCarthy to account for breaking promises, doing yeah. dirty deals behind the scenes with, with, with the Democrats. And well, it's going to, I think that it's going to take some time. We have to clean house because a lot of these members of Congress and some of these judges, I think quite honestly are compromised Yeah, and they're not going to do anything. Yeah. That's going to, yeah, that's, know, that's gonna, exactly my opinion. Their own. So anybody that refuses to create this court to adjudicate these matters, should then be you fired. Know that's probably he's in on it. Yeah. yeah. They should be fired on the next, uh, you know, on the next uh, uh, election. And then the other thing that we can do, and, and I think that we need to look at this. Um, I do think that there needs to be massive reform, uh, whether we abolish the FBI altogether or whether we 
uh, reduce it down by 90%, you know, maybe keep 10% just for, but no matter what, we can no longer have a justice department and an FBI that, that operates outside of accountability. There must be, there must be an adversarial uh, authority, an adversarial version. Yeah. Yeah. But basically that's not paid by the department of justice that has the authority to investigate the department of justice and the FBI and make arrests. You would and, think uh, something like Homeland Security would kind of work in in, in uh, this too. It's too tied. You know what they what I'm almost of the point of the opinion. There's a there's an organization called um, Tactical Civics. I kind of like their idea. Um, their idea is that the the uh, the intention of the grand jury um, was not to be you know captured by the Justice Department. And it is captured by them, but it was intended so that citizens, you had a citizen's grand jury that they, um, you know, could basically decide, you know, to prosecute and that the militia that's talked about in the second amendment was not necessarily a militia for the purpose of like, you know, fighting wars, but it was a militia of citizens who were trained, who had authorization, who were basically, you know, given authority to go and make the arrest of the public official. So they worked for the grand jury. And I think we need that sort of a thing. Um, I think we need some, you know, something that's outside of the the typical courts, because honestly, um, the federal government needs to be brought down, you know, uh, and, and, and held accountable for some what of these uh, crimes. What you're committed. talking about is exactly what they intended. The problem is, is that you have a lot of people in the United States today that are not educated enough to no. know exactly what their rights are. So we so have to educate you, them. Yeah. So when you, when you get, when you get to talking like that, I, it doesn't strike me as odd. It doesn't, you know, I, I understand exactly what it is, but you, you know, you have a hard time explaining freedom to free people. Yeah, who really yeah. think that you're not supposed to protect yourself, that you're supposed to call the police when the police are just supposed to be backup. Well, <laughs> it, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like we're living, you know, in the, you know, it's like the movie, the matrix, you know? Yeah. Uh, many really people is. have swallowed the blue pill and they, be, that's why like, uh, you know, I, I love that saying, you know, take the red pill. Cause what that, what that is about, it's about waking up to the reality that we're living in right now, that we're not mm. a free people anymore. No, we don't we have, have the, freedom. The illusion of it. It's an illusion of it. Exactly. And yeah, um, so it, it starts with fix. It starts with the media. When, when you fix the, when you fix the free press and you actually have journalists being journalists again, um, and they're not out there being extremely irresponsible. I mean, putting people in danger with the stories they tell what they did to Kyle Rittenhouse was just, it was crazy. Oh yeah. So, uh, so I, so this is where there. Yeah. So this is where I, you know, why, um, you know, why I'm running for Congress now, you know, um, I did some work after that. Uh, we moved to West Virginia. I couldn't live in that house anymore. I didn't know if they bugged it, you know, whatever they doxed it. I had death threats. I had people threatening to kill me and my entire family on Twitter. <laughs> I reported it. Of course, nobody did anything. Then their account never got shut down. So, you know, I, um, I said, you know, it's time to move. I want to move somewhere where I can own a gun and I can defend myself and protect my family. Sure. And so we moved to West Virginia because they respect the Second Amendment here. Um, 
I, uh, I got asked by the White House to come down and do some work on election integrity after the 2020 election. Um, I, I did a lot of work on that. That's We'll save that for another episode, but that was pretty interesting. And a lot of, I saw a lot of evidence. Got to be very uh, tactful how we yeah. approach those subjects. Oh, yeah. Um, and and uh, well, most of what I saw was flat out violations of black letter law. There's no, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not, I don't get into the machine so much as, right, you know, the mail in ballots and the voter registration and things that I saw that was evidence, quite frankly, of uh, massive uh, counterfeiting of ballots on a massive scale. And in fact, um, I will say Bill Barr knew about it. Uh, mm-hmm. He was told I was in the conference call that he was in. Uh, there was a task force being set up and he shut it all down mm-hmm. and then, you know, went before Congress and said, oh, I've not seen any evidence of widespread voter fraud. You know, all, all of the all of the the, the claims of um, the, the the alleging of, of voter fraud and, and these sort of things, I guess the thing I for most people that made them um, more trepidatious about it was the fact that no one wanted to hear it or talk about it. So yeah. Well, so whether or not it was true or not, didn't um, matter. It, it it didn't matter because you have a lot of people out there that immediately were like, "Wow, if we can't even talk about it, what's really you, going on?" Do you on? remember uh, we were talking about earlier about you know how many judges are compromised, how many Congress members are compromised? Fifty-seven courts, fifty-seven courts were pre- presented evidence and refused evidentiary hearings. Yeah. So they, wouldn't 20, even, they wouldn't even allow for an evidentiary hearing. Right. 57 out of 57. Show, what was it? They had to show injury or something like that in order to be to be heard. And there were three that were heard. And out of the three that were heard, he won, he lost one and won the two out of the three that were heard. It's, you know, I, I think that it, it was just the optics of, of the entire thing. Yeah. Um I think that he would, in the end, he was classy. The The transfer of power would have went over without a hitch um, if they would have just listened to him. And Nancy Pelosi yeah. would have allowed the uh, the National Guard there that day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there there were a lot of things in retrospect. I mean, you can Monday morning quarterback it all day long. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think that, that the American people now are a lot smarter uh, for what we have gone. They're not going to be able to get away with it this time. I can tell you that. No, I don't, I don't think too a lot of the loopholes will have, have changed. I think this um, time you're going to have a lot more people volunteering to do things. Uh, you know, this is all too why. often on the conservative side. We just sit home and yeah. well, this, we, we don't is, we don't get involved. And I think this is now why I think we're going to get involved. Yeah, this is why they're using lawfare against Trump right now. Uh, they have no other choice. Uh, they're not going to be able to, you know, steal an election again. Um, the, he's, you know, they basically have to, uh, you know, use lawfare against him to keep him so wrapped up in court. I mean, they know they don't have a chance on any of these cases, but the whole idea is they're trying to damage his reputation. They're trying to, you know, basically uh, keep him from being out there on the campaign trail and keep him in court as much as they possibly can. Exactly. That's their, right. That's their only hope. And, and in and, my uh, opinion, uh, in my humble opinion, that is a form of election tampering. It and, is. And, and even for those who don't believe that there were any anything wrong with the election, let's just say that you don't believe that. Um, and, 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 and as far as, you know, we, we, we can all make a case. You know, everybody has their own uh, take on it because we haven't all seen all the evidence. 
There are some people that say they have and they have, but we, we don't know for sure. And, and, and nobody will ever, I think, you know, publicly, no court, Bill Barr, anybody else are going to come out and say, for sure, this is what happened. So it leaves all these people at odds and arguing. And I think they want that more than anything oh, yeah. else. They want oh, yeah, that more definitely. than anything else. So we, yeah. we, you know, just a return to some basic honesty and, and some just, at, you know, some transparency. Well, it, it boils, yeah, it boils down to equal justice under the law. There needs to be fairness in the law and there needs to be transparency. Those are the two things that are needed to solve this problem. Yeah. Oh, that's because how until we have that, back. there's not trust. Yeah, no trust and in, in, in it's all. Over. So let me ask you real quick before we get out of here. How is your uh campaign going what what are your what, so what it's, it's going it's going good um i am running mm -hmm. a very grassroots campaign and uh the media would tell you that i don't have a chance in hell <laughs> um the pollsters would tell you you know that i don't have a chance um you know you know advisors or, or political you know gurus or whatever might look at my campaign and go, Oh, you know, Nate Kane's only raised, you know, $50,000. And, you know, my opponents raised half a million, but look at who he's raised it from PACs, super PACs. You know, he was, uh, you know, endorsed by McCarthy, you know, um, people in West Virginia don't want that. Yeah. They want somebody that they know has integrity. That's actually going to represent them. The sure. one thing I can guarantee you, when I get elected, I will not be owned, period. Mm. Um, I've already made a decision and I've made a public declaration of it that when I go into office, I will meet with any lobbyist that wants to meet with me on one condition. The conversation has to be recorded and made public immediately. I'm not going to allow for secret, you know, meetings with, you know, back alley deals with, uh, you know, lobbyist groups and stuff like that. And this if is what exactly what Matt Gates stood for, too. And I think that he's been vindicated and we need more people like you. This yeah, is the America absolutely. first approach and, and one is. where you can prove that, hey, I'm not bought and paid for. That's right. And that's and that's exactly what McCarthy meant in that statement when McCarthy said not only does he know how to do business here in the people's house, but across the street that across the street comment K Street for, for, for people who don't know. He's yeah. talking about the money, man. He's talking about the lobbies. He's talking that's about right. the special interests and you shouldn't totally. be beholden to them at all. You shouldn't even be able to make a statement like that. It that's tells right. me exactly who you are. You're bought. So th this is the so this is the challenge. Yeah. And this is what I need your listeners to, to hear me on. The challenge is this. If I'm only taking money from individual donors, that means that I need people to help me That's because right. there's no way, you know, I, I've got two choices. I can, I can do like the political, you know, people would say I need to spend two hours every day on the phone begging for money. You know um, I need to, you know, be meeting with corporations and, and special interest groups and, and uh, packs and super packs and, and beg for money. Mm. Well, I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. I'm not going to sell my soul to win, but I do believe I can win. I have been out there campaigning hard. I've got to work, you know, 10 times as hard, you know, as my opponent. And it means I got to get out there. And fortunately I'm blessed with a job. Now I own my own company now. And, uh, and so I work from six in the morning till two and at two I'm done and I'm out campaigning. And so that gives me a lot more freedom, a lot more time to be able to travel. And, and, and I do have to travel. Like it is five hours to the furthest part of my district.
So if I go out there and I have that's, a meeting, that's a pretty at, big district, a five hour trek. It's the whole that's northern half of the state. most that I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's we have we have a low population here, and so um, and it's not there's no straight roads. You know, this isn't uh, you know North. I got Dakota. family there. Yeah, it's all mountains. It's called the mountain state. So it's so when I was, I'll, I'll give you a little quick little story anecdote. We when I was young and uh, we lived in the inner city of Baltimore, and my family's from West Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky, and we, you know, my my parents moved to Baltimore prior to me being born. So whenever we as teenagers acted out as Baltimore inner city kids did, uh, we'd get sent out to West Virginia to go work on my uncle's farm all summer. <laughs> So, nice. yeah, I, I know plants very well, very well so, taught me a so, work ethic. Yeah. So we've, we've got, you know, the whole Northern half of the state, the Eastern Panhandle, Northern Panhandle, um, to Wood County basically is, is what I have to cover. So if I go out somewhere, you know, um, in say Parkersburg or in Wheeling and I've got an evening meeting, there's no way I can make it back home to get up at six in the morning and work. So I've got to get a hotel and stay at a hotel. Sure. And so there's a lot of travel involved in this. Um, I'm able to work remotely, which, you know, makes it, makes it good. But then I got, you know, I've got to be there when I'm supposed to be there working because I am a working contractor. Sure. So the thing is, what, is, what that is it you do uh, on cybersecurity? Your... Oh, so you're, you're still doing, doing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still work for a government agency, but I now own my own company and I have a corp to corp and, you know, I'm able to have a little more freedom. That's exactly, you know, that that's that's the aspiration I have here. With the Patriots prayer, obviously, you know, there's uh, a lot of startup costs, and I've incurred it over the last oh, couple yeah. of years, but I pay it proudly just to be able to deal with folks like you and you be know, able to even, get your even stories like, out Even there. I have to, you know, even I have to do that, you know, with running for Congress, I've put $20,000 of my own money into mm -hmm. my campaign, and, uh, you know, and I'm sure I'll probably end up putting a lot more in there, but I need help. You know, the yeah. fact is, is that uh, $50,000 doesn't go very far. I've got to buy signs. I've got to do, you know, um, you know, buy uh, printed material and things like that. When I buy 500 signs, it costs me, uh, you know, $1,800. Sure. So, you know, so, so people, if, if, if everybody that's watching this show were to donate $20, it would be enough to, you know, get me through the next couple of months. I mean, that's, that's the truth of it. Um, you know, but, but that's the challenge. The challenge is, um, you know, is, is getting, you know, getting help, uh, you know, on these things, because the, the, believe me, the people who right now, why we are where we are is because we don't want the burden of, you know, financing the people that actually will represent us. And so we let K street choose who our representatives are because they're willing to donate massive amounts of money. Sure. And, uh, and money is not everything. And that's important. You know, it is important that, you know, I have to get out there and be willing to work my butt off. And I am, I'm already working on things and trying to get stuff passed. Um, I, uh, one of the things that came up was a parent's bill of rights. And so I wrote, that an is necessary. A, yeah, I authored a parent's bill of rights. And then I took my volunteers. We went down and we lobbied it down in Charleston. I'm not even running for state office, but it doesn't matter. I'm willing to show that I'm willing to earn people's vote and actually work hard for them. And, and well, it has been very popular. I will do everything in my power to be able to help you. I will, I will often highlight your campaign. I, I see Appreciate you guys that. as heroes. 
Um, and, and, and because like I said, 99.9% of the people in your same situation would have went a different way. And oh, it's the least that we can do. I, and you I don't blame you. yourself, <laughs> I mean, you, but you've proven yourselves. You walk yeah. through fire yeah, and you risk your life and you risk and your life. It does change you. You know, it does change you. Um, when you've gone through what I've gone through and you, you, you still, you come out on the other side, you know, it's like the scriptures talk about that refining fire. You know, you don't get silver without basically putting it through the flame. Diamonds are made under pressure. That's uh, right. And it's, it, it's, it, there's a million things to be said about it. So here's, here's something else I want to do. And this is if, if, if you will agree to it, I want, I'm going to set up a meeting uh, between yourself, David Baumblatt, and I think we have another panel here. And I have you both uh, back on the Patriots Prayer. Yeah, um, uh, we can do it on coming up on the fifth. Um, that's uh, that's David's next appearance, and uh, I would have you guys both on here. And I, I think that that will grab the attention. I mean, I'm sure this is going to grab the attention of. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, you have a hell of a story to tell well, here. Change truth is going to hate my guts. Uh, I, you know, look, there's people within the bureau that hate me. People probably within the IC that hate me. You know, uh, K Street hates. Me. I don't care. Fact is, I love my country, and I love, you know, Americans. Even the ones that hate my guts, I think a lot of them are just misinformed. Uh, but those that are truly the evil bastards out there, uh, you know. I recognize, and, and I'll tell you this, um, no matter what, I recognize that there's, we have to be willing to do our part, mm -hmm. but we can't do it alone. We need God's help in this. This yeah. is a spiritual battle. This is and, a spiritual uh, and battle. And I'm a praying man, and I, I, I do believe that God is raising up not just me, but others right now, you know, to fight this fight. But it's going to take an act of God. And so we've got to get on our knees and spend time praying and asking God for his help. You're not here by chance. You didn't get to yeah. the Patriots Prayer podcast by chance. I didn't just interview David Baumblatt the way I came across him by chance. The yeah. way that the mutual friend that introduced us, all of these things aligned up in a perfect kind of a way. Yep. Uh, it, it's really amazing to me. And I got other interviews going with the. Uh, the uh, granddaughter of the second prime minister of Israel that's coming up here on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be an amazing interview, and we're going to bring a, a lot of things to light that people need to hear about. But this, your testimony, uh, David's testimony, and, and a fight to the return. We're fighting for the soul of our country. We and are. That's what you guys, and that's what you guys are. are doing. You're fighting for the soul of the country, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the one that we are taught about. The impression that we're given about our country is going down the drain. It has become normalized to hate your country. And yeah. that's what these young kids coming up today find cool or trendy. I, I remember seeing videos of, of, of a young man riding bikes with his mother in California. The kid was probably eight, nine years old-ish. Got off his bike at one point during the bike ride, caught on a ring video, ripped the flag off to somebody's lawn, and he's stomping on it. And the mother standing there with a proud grin on her face. This is what we're teaching people. This is this yeah. is this is the new the new thing. Um, we need to we need to change that. We need to Absolutely. undo this. And the only way you can do that is by being intentional. Evil will never retreat willingly. It must be no. beaten back. That's right. And it takes exactly. Uh, the people with the kind of bravery that you have displayed 
it to to make that happen. So we need you in Congress. We definitely need you in Congress. We need instead of the next time someone doesn't hold their or keep their promises, we need more than eight people to step up. I agree. Um, and, and that's how you'll that's the measure. That's the litmus test for how far along we're coming or how far we fell. Eight people. It just yeah. blows me away. And then some of the people that didn't make that vote, I mean, I was hurt in my heart because there are people that I absolutely adored that I thought yeah. would have. Well, let's, let's hope, <laughs> let's hope that our new speaker, uh, you know, Johnson, I, I think the guy honestly is a, a good guy. Mm -hmm. um, what I've seen so far, uh, I like what I see. And, uh, and I think honestly, I think everything worked out. It was all arranged in a certain way. And I don't, you know, I don't even think that people think, I don't think it's a, the grand conspiracy of they arranged everything and Matt Gates knew it was, no, I think a lot of this just, it fell into place. They tried to get Jordan in there and the, you know, those in, in the rhinos were so incest about not having Jordan that they voted for, you know, for Johnson, not realizing just how conservative he is. And so well, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we're going to have somebody in there who's going to actually honor, you know, uh, his word. Well, I know the, at least he claims to be a man of God. Molinaro was uh, the one who forced that to happen. So it was Emmer's head, you know, it already fell off. It's like, well, he, we know yeah. he's not going to be the guy. So they said, well, who came in second place behind Emmer's? And that was, uh, and that was Johnson. So they said, well, uh, essentially, we can't hold that vote right now. It's against the rules. So Molinaro says, "Well, then I vote that we change the rules. That we have we have a vote here today." And you know, the only person, and this is Matt Gates' words, the only person that uh, that stood up to oppose that was McCarthy. Of course, uh, McCarthy. So in yeah, that McCarthy, moment, the same guy who endorsed my opponent, this my opponent who happened to have been. Vice President Podesta Group. It's like you can't make this stuff up. So, oh, we'll talk about I, before that you time. get out of here, before you get out of here, um, yeah. I, I got to touch on that because we we had a moment when we talked on the phone about yeah. um, about AFP, and I I, I don't yeah. think they realize America how prosper. much it's taken. I, I'm so getting ready to give them a lot of attention. Story. Yeah, they, they, the New York Times came out with a story, and, you know, occasionally they get things right, like, you know, they did with uh, Uranium One. They were one of the ones that first published that. So, um, but, yeah, they came out with a story showing how uh, the, you know, Americans for Prosperity, a company that was founded by the Koch brothers, that they've raised over $70 million to try to tank Donald Trump's primary. So, uh, of course, my opponent was uh, recently endorsed by them. So, again... Well, yeah. let me tell you from firsthand knowledge, right? And 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 in the the weeks to come, I'm going to show documentation, videos, and other things that I that I'm working on right now. But um, they're exactly who you think they are, and yeah, it's yeah. that bad. It's it's yep. really that bad, and it, it's it, I, I don't want to give too much away right now, but. Um, there, there are people on the inside working to expose, uh, exactly what these guys are doing. I'll, I'll give you one tidbit and in one part of their, in their one part of their training in AFP. You, I mean, you, everyone thinks they know what this organization is. One of the things they gave to the people they're training is a book 
by Saul Alinsky. <laughs> Interesting. True story. Interesting. True story. And 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 the individual that uh, I, I'm here within the next, uh, I think about a week or so. Uh, beyond that, uh, he he has no more ties with them, and we are going to well, get I'll be the tell all. Closely, <laughs> we're going to get the tell all. So it's awesome. it's going to be it's going to be uh, amazing. But I, yeah, I was like everyone. I thought this was a great organization that looked out for conservative values and was right. doing all the right things. Turned out to be just another uh, special Coke Industries group. man is like totally woke. I'm sorry. So a Coke, the Coke brothers, yeah, totally woke. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. David Coke is uh, yeah. behind a lot of that, and and he can tell you better than I can. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher. Sure. Uh, butcher no, no, yeah, no. We'll I'll have I'll have him on here within the next uh, few weeks, and uh, just have all my ducks in a row, so no one can dispute. What I'm saying, and I definitely don't want to give them time to lean back on their heels and get ready for the strike that's coming because it's yep. coming. So yep. um, I, I just spoke to David, FYI, and shared the link uh, with David. Uh, okay. So we are. If if I don't know, it's kind of late where you're at. It's very um, late. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely. Uh, <laughs> you're fading. <laughs> I am fading very quickly. So. I'm going to put in the link uh, for all the viewers out there. I'm going to put in the link all, you know, everything uh, that uh, he's talking about, all of his links. We're going to have Nate's uh, 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 crowdfunding links, a uh, way for you to get in touch with him. Uh, we're, we're going to supply it all. And my vow here to him today is that the Patriots prayer is going to stand behind, behind his campaign from now until the day that he's in office. And we're going to continually promote your campaign. We're going to put Thank your you. crowdfunding link up and I'm going to mention you quite often here when we're doing our podcasts and, uh, we're going to do everything that we can because that's, that's what I'm here for. And, and I, and I'd be proud uh, to say that I was, you know, that I helped in any way, shape or form. So with that, uh, I'm going to say this, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the silent majority out there, the silent yeah. majority, you need to stop being silent and stand yep. your ground. Amen. We'll see you next time on the Patriots prayer. My people of this country and we're under attack. They banned us. They canceled us for speaking the facts. So Patriots. I hope that you are as intrigued with this man as I am. He definitely needs to be in Congress. He's the guy. He's the America first guy. He's the American that will actually do what he says when he gets there. He can't be bought, can't be sold. You can't pay him off. He's not that guy. He has integrity. So make sure that you go to the link in the description of this video. And if you can, $10, $20, whatever it is that you can do, because this man's up against the special interest groups. He's up against the lobbyists. He's up against K Street. So he needs you. He needs me. He needs every one of us who give a damn about our country to go click that link and give to his campaign whatever you can. Trust me, every little bit counts. Every little bit counts. We need to get this man over the finish line so we have real representation in Washington, guys. So, as usual, as oh, oh and before I get out of here, let's not forget, we're going to have David uh, Baumblatt as well as Nate Kane on the next podcast together. We're going to do a three-part series and tons of exclusive footage. Please go take a look at the exclusive footage. You're going to find that on my locals. Go to Rumble. You go to my locals. You're going to find all the exclusive footage there. Uh, you can become part of the Patriot family and go ahead and subscribe there. So, uh, folks, I hope to see you there. And as usual, 
As usual, the silent majority, you need to stop being silent and stand your ground. We'll see you next time on the Patriots Prayer Podcast. Have a good day. USA man, and every time we pull up, all you're gonna see is a man.